Bless you, Lord. Don't you love him? Yes. Amen. There's none like him. A lot of you look like you've uh, searched for stuff through your life. But you know, when you found him, search was over. Yes, it is. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. Sometimes you get to a spot and you're like, so what do we do now? <laughs> uh, we are very honored to have some guests with us today from the great Seed Church in Savannah, Georgia, Pastors Kempe and Lisa Womble. Praise God. Pastor Lisa is going to be speaking Monday night and Tuesday night, so we're excited about that. And we also have pastors from Fort Worth, Texas, Pastors Jim and Samantha Herring. Praise God. Glad you guys could be here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, it's always honoring to the house when others come and uh, ministry gifts come in, and it's always an honor. So thank you all for being here. Praise the Lord. Well, they had uh, outreach yesterday at Gilcrest Park. And four people got saved. Yes, Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I don't think you were out, out shouted the angels on that one. No. <laughs> uh, but there were also many people that were prayed for. They had a lot of needs. Got touched by God. Because God's always faithful to watch over his word. Isn't that right? You know, every time we, we talk about these uh, outreaches and how many people get saved, you have to understand they're going out with maybe two people, maybe four people. So imagine the impact that there would be if more people went out with them. I'm just saying. I'm not, there's no pressure. I'm just saying. You let the Lord speak to you about that and then be obedient. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Well, the, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about honoring God. Respecting God in the sanctuary, as well as honoring and respecting him in our giving. Isn't that right? Remember that Jesus sat by the treasury. He didn't watch what people were giving. He watched how they were giving. And how to God is more important than what. Isn't that right? Amen. Well, it's the same thing today. You know, in the book of Revelation, you get an understanding that Jesus walks through the midst of his church. And he watches. And he listens. And he knows what's going on. And he knows what's in your heart and what you're doing. And that would give you a little more um, attitude of honor in coming to the house, realizing Jesus walks through the house. Yeah. Amen. 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 Well, Pastor, Jesus walks with me every place. Well, then you ought to honor him every place. Yeah. I mean, you want to go down that road? We can go down that road. Be nice. I'm nice. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We, we talked about where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. If you want to know where your heart is, follow your money. Wherever the most of your money is, that's where your heart is. Amen. Glory to God. Uh, what else did we talk about? The importance of walking in truth. We know the word is truth, and walking in truth to where you have on the inside and the outside is equal. It matches. What you see on the outside is exactly what's on the inside. That's walking in truth. If the word is truth and the word's alive in you, then walking in that word is walking in truth. Amen? And we found out that God likes generosity. And generosity is of the heart. Generous in of the heart. Amen? Amen. And our giving and our prayers come up as memorials before God. Very, very important, which we may see more of that today. 
But I want to start over in the book of Malachi, chapter 1. And, um, you know, I write in my notes, I write M-A-L as an abbreviation for Malachi. And when I go back and check it, I see word check decided to change it to mail. <laughs> M-A-I-L. You know. <laughs> it's amazing. I, uh, you know, when I was writing my last book, I'm typing it all out, and I go back and read it, and I see AI decided they wanted to change some things. You know, so people that are physically editing the book right now, I tell them, don't do what AI does. Don't change the scriptures. Whatever it says, that's the way it is. I don't care if you don't think it was written right or said right. The way it's written is the way that it is. Amen. You know, we ought to be at least a little smarter than artificial intelligence. That's why it's artificial. Amen. Did you find Malachi 1? Yeah. Let's read verse 7 and 8. Hallelujah. Malachi 1, verse 7 and 8. You are presenting defiled food upon my altar, but you say, how have we defiled you? In that you say the table of the Lord is to be despised. In verse 8. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Why, do you offer it to, why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts. You know, God hears what we say. He knows what, he, what you say to yourself, and he knows what you say to others. And what they were saying back then is the people that they were tired they were tired of giving, and they were tired about hearing about giving, okay? And they said that the table of the Lord was contemptible. It was despicable. It was hateful. It was a drudgery to do this, a toil, and such mental pressure to always have to do this all the time. You know, living by faith is not pressure. Dying without faith is pressure. You need to learn to live by faith so you can learn to pass out of this physical life by faith. Amen. 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 You know, we've had people through the years tell us that coming to church just creates a lot of pressure on them. I mean, I mean how many times do we have to be in church? You know, I had somebody tell me one time, well, who came up with this, uh, you know, Sunday service and maybe Sunday night service and a midweek service? Who came up with all that? I said some backslider. Because <laughs> they used to meet every day. You know, so, so they would tell me about how much pressure church was on them. So I did a little study about church and pressure. And we found out that if you're involved with all the services that we have, involved with all the fellowships that we have, and involved with all the luncheons that we have, you are involved for 45 hours a month. A month, not a, a week, a month. Okay, that's less than, not even two days out of the month. So out of 31 days, or 30, we'll, we'll give you a February month. Out of 28 days, you're in church less than two days. So your total hours, waking hours, is 448 hours a month. Now you divide that up into working, sleeping, eating, and your hanging out downtime. Is your pressure in going to church... Don't give me a resounding answer on that one. No, your pressure's not coming to church. 
In fact, if there are 448 hours in a month and you come to church for 45 hours if you're involved in everything, guess what? You just gave 10% of your time. So all it is, it's a 10% of your time. And when you say things like, well, I'm just too busy, I got other stuff going on, I just can't be there. Well, that's like saying, I got other stuff I got to spend my money on and I can't tithe. There's no difference. Don't shout me down. I heard Pastor Ellen say it at the 930 service, it's a training center and things aren't always easy. But life can get easy when you get over those things that you have to deal with. Amen. Hallelujah. So this is what's being addressed here by the Holy Spirit through the prophet Malachi. These folks are saying it's just too much pressure. I'm too tired of all of this. This is just too much. And they're tired of hearing about it. Now, they were still doing like they needed to. They were coming. They were giving. But they weren't giving out of living works of faith. It was all dead works. And it was defiled offerings. Therefore, God was telling them that their giving was actually a stench in his nostrils as compared to being a fragrant aroma. Amen? You know, you can perfume heaven with your giving. Or... With your giving, God has to use potpourri. <laughs> Either way. Okay. I'm done. So he's not looking at actually what they're giving, but it's how they give it. And because of how they were giving, it created the what they were giving. All right? They gave to God what they wouldn't even give to their government. So their attitude in giving was contaminating the altar. They did more for the government than they did for God. Amen. You know, a lot of us complain about taxes. And taxes just seem to keep going up. Well, what about your giving? Are you giving more to the government than you would to the Lord? Well, if they keep taking more money, I, I have less money. Well, how are you going to get more? I mean, you could do the arm of the flesh thing and you can go out and work another job, two jobs, get the dog to do a trick and something to make money on the street. I mean, you could do lots of things to make money, but is that the deal? No, because you have to give. You have to sow in order to reap. Isn't that right? Don't do like Cain did. Cain, it was a leftover offering. You don't want to do like Cain did. God was not happy with Cain's offering. Amen. And, you know, God didn't need... They're animals, just like he doesn't need our money. What does he want? Your heart. That's what he's looking for, okay? He's looking for the heart. So it's the attitude that reveals the heart in giving, okay? Verse 10. <clears throat> it says, oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates, that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. So God was actually saying, just shut the doors to the house. That's actually what he was saying. You know, if you're going to treat me so disrespectfully and contemptibly, then just stay out of my presence. Don't even come in. Can you imagine that? God saying, don't even bother coming into my presence. 
He's saying, don't be bringing inferior offerings that are an insult to me. That clearly shows the distance of your heart. You come with this, but your heart's nowhere near me. And inferior offerings revealed their defective hearts. See, what we do shows what's on the inside of us. We can say one thing, but it's what's in your heart, just like we always talk about. If you're trying to pray a prayer of faith and fear is in your heart, you will get what you fear because that's what's in your heart. You don't get stuff just because you're yakking. You know, it's like we say, talk is what? Cheap. Talk is cheap. It's the only thing that's not been affected by Bidenomics. It's been cheap, it's always cheap, and it will always be cheap. I'll never change in value. Amen. So, yeah. So, it's what's in your heart that's going to create for you. Remember the account of Job. Job was making offerings for his kids and everything in case they sinned before God and all that stuff. And then he lost all of his family. He lost all of his possessions. He lost all of his health. And he went from being the richest man in the land to be totally in the dirt. Well, why? Because he said it in chapter 3. What I feared has come upon me, and that which I greatly dread has befallen me. Although he seemed to be doing the right things, it's his heart that was creating. See, he wasn't walking in truth. He was doing one thing outwardly, but had something differently inwardly. And it's the inwardly that creates. What comes into you will develop you. What comes out from you will create for you. Amen. 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 Verse 12. But you are profaning it in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled and as for its fruit, its food is to be despised. So because of a wrong attitude, wrong heart, again, they've brought inferior offerings to the Lord. Verse 13. He says, you also say, my, how tiresome it is. And you disdainfully sniff at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring what was taken by robbery and what is lame or sick, so that, so that you bring the offering. Should I receive that from your hand, says the Lord. This is strong words. But God is very serious about the attitude we have in our giving. He watches how we give. And attitude means everything to God. In fact, if you go over to 1 Corinthians 3, we'll come back to Malachi, but go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 11 through 15. First Corinthians chapter 3, 11 through 15. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it, on what? On the foundation. If he's built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire." So Jesus is the foundation in our life. We've been talking on Wednesday night about the elementary principles building off of the foundation, right? 
The building material that you build on the foundation is not the work itself because it could be dead works, okay? But it's about the heart condition and our attitude in the things that we do. Proverbs 23, there's a man that says, come eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. That's like saying, oh, yeah, come on over. Yeah, yeah, come on in. It's good to see you. Have a seat. I can't wait till you leave. I mean, I wish they'd get done talking. I am done with this. You know, your, their heart's not with you. So they're saying one thing. It looks like they're welcoming, but they're not. Are you with me? Amen. Now, some people would say, well, how do you know that? Do you do that? Well, not anymore. <laughs> I've been saved, delivered. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> I have found myself many times in the Bible. Well, actually, I found my old man many times in the Bible. <laughs> so when you have a wrong heart or a wrong attitude in what you do, it is wood, hay, and straw, no matter how good the works look. Because it's not about the thing. It's about you. You're a spirit being, and it's about you functioning and what you're doing. Okay? So if what you're doing is not with the right heart, not with the right attitude, it's burned up works, wood, hay, and straw. It's kind of like what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 6 when he said, Beware of the Pharisees who practice their righteousness before men, who they give their alms to be seen by people. And they want to get the praises of people. Well, it looks like they're doing so good. They're, oh, they're doing such fine things. They're giving money and all that, but they're doing it to be seen. So when you get your attaboy, feel good because that's all you're getting. But Jesus goes on to say, when you do it, do it in secret. Don't tell anybody. Stop talking about it. Stop bragging. Stop boasting. Stop even mentioning it. And you'll get your reward from God. For he sees it in secret. He'll reward you openly. In other words, you don't have to show everybody and tell everybody, oh, you're really something because you do all this, whatever you think you're doing. But the people will see your life being blessed. Because God will reward you openly. Attitude. Right heart attitude brings reward. That's what makes it gold, silver, precious stones. And when the fire hits gold, silver, precious stones, all the dross comes out. So doing works that are gold, silver, precious stones, works of faith, doesn't mean you've done it perfectly. Perfection is a demonic doctrine. You will never be perfect. You'll never do it perfect. I don't care how hard you try. You'll never do it. You know, I think I do perfect woodworking until Pastor Morgan looks at it. And then he goes like, well, what the heck is that? <laughs> I thought it looked pretty good, but he's got a better eye. See, you understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> you know, and perfection is not going to happen because you're in a dead flesh. Yeah. You're in an unrenewed soul. We're working on changing that soul. But it's still not there all the way, is it? Thank you for your agreement and saying no. Otherwise, we'd have to pray for you. A right heart condition is what makes your works approved or not approved. Okay? Now, the thing on perfection, it may be gold, silver, precious stones. You've done it with the right heart. You've done it with the right attitude, but it's not perfect. That's why when fire hits it, all the dross comes to the top. And then when a fire hits it, it makes it perfect. Amen. All right, go back over to Math, uh, Malachi, rather, chapter 3. <clears throat> Malachi chapter 3, verses 7 and 
Now, I hope you hear this in your heart. Hear this in your spirit. Because God's trying to get you to a place to where what you do will bring greater increase into your life. Amen. Amen. Malachi 3, verse 7 and 8. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. So Israel has moved away from God. Their heart is separated from God. But God has chosen now to come close to Israel because they are his people. And he's going to tell them and show them how they need to come back to him. See, God really cares about you. He wants you to come back. You know, thank God he doesn't just leave us and go, the heck with them, they're done. You know, thank God he doesn't do that. You know, because we'd all be on the side of the road, wouldn't we? Yeah, you know, but he doesn't do that. And he makes the decision to draw near to us. Okay, he comes close to Israel and he's beseeching them. He's begging them. Oh, please come back to me and do what's necessary in order to return. You know, notice God don't just open up the door and say, oh, y'all just come on in. It's okay. Don't worry about it. God's not like that. Because God don't do this. Oh, poor baby. He don't do that. He wants you to get things right. He wants you to. You know the word. We hate this word, don't we? Grow up. He wants us to grow up, and it takes discipline in order to grow up. Amen. Amen. You know, my wife and I, we like to do stuff to kind of keep our weight in check, and that's just the way we are. And I have people say to me sometimes, like, well, you know, you don't really need to worry about that. Well, should I wait till I get to that point? Is that what I should do? Wait till I get to that point and then, oh my God, I need to do something? Or should I live in a place to where I don't have to get to that point? Well, that sounds real good as far as weight goes, but what about your life? Are you going to wait till you get to the point to where it's, oh my God, what am I going to do? I need something from the Word of God. You might as well just forget it, go lay down. You got a long road to hoe. You got to get that word. See, a lot of people want to go to the word. Oh, yeah, that's what I want. And they want to start using that, speaking that word out. And what you're doing is taking seed and throwing it at the enemy. How many of you ever seen Gulliver's Travels? You ever see them little people? They got them little bows and arrows and they're shooting them at Gulliver. And he's like, what the heck is this? He's brushing them. Well, that's what you're doing. That's what you do with your circumstances. And that's what you do with the devil when you are not prepared and not ready beforehand. You did not do anything to get ready for your life. You waited till you got to that point to where now there's no, I don't know what I'm going to do. And it's too late. Are you with me? So I suggest, this is my suggestion, that you start in a disciplined life in whatever your life has to do with. And build the habit of disciplining yourself. Because the devil don't care if you had a bad day. Oh, we'll leave them alone. They've had a bad day. No, he don't care. He don't care if you had a bad year. He don't care if the last five years have been awful. He don't care. He's not going to give you a break. But if you're not ready, you're going to be in trouble. And then you're going to run to the, oh, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Why? 
Why? What have we got to agree with? You got nothing in your heart. Don't shout me down. You know, that's when you need to go see the doctor. You need to go get your medication. You need to go to the bank and get a loan. You need to do whatever you need to do because you're not ready for anything spiritually. And you got to be ready. You know, James tells you this. And consider it all joy when you encounter. And that word encounter means when you fall into, all of a sudden, without any forewarning, all of a sudden you're surrounded on every side by various tests, temptations, and trials coming at you at every avenue. Well, that reminds me of old Tarzan movies. Remember the old Tarzan movies? And they dig the pit and put leaves over the top or whatever they put over them. And then the lion would fall into it. Well, that's what the devil sets up for you on your life. And he gets you to make this decision. Oh, make this decision. Make this and starts bringing you down his path. And he makes it look good. Like Pastor Ewellen talked about in 930 service. The plans they had for their life, her and Pastor Morgan. The plans they had for their life. They had a plan. But then God came along and said, go down this road. Well, that plan may have had a lot of lion ditches in it. Amen. Hello. Are you out there? Are you glad you came today? Are you glad you're out there on live stream? Don't turn me off. Things have been going pretty good. Don't shut it off. (laughs) So by the children of Israel refusing to obey God, they also removed themselves from the realm of his blessing. He couldn't bless them. God's wanting to return to them. And you have to understand that it is truly, truly, truly God's heart to give you the kingdom. He wants so much for you to enjoy it all. But he can't just dump it on you. See, here's the deal. If he dumped it on you without obeying, he has to dump it on the devil. Because the devil's never obeyed him. Obeying is the difference between you getting blessed and the devil getting blessed. Now, you never thought about that. Neither did I till just now. So that's something to think about. It's the doorway to the blessing that the devil can never step into. Amen. He cannot dump on us what we don't want and the want is shown by heart condition. Amen. Verse 9. It says, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. They were living under a self-imposed curse. God didn't bring the curse on them. Remember what he said in Deuteronomy. Today I set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Choose life that you and your seed would live. Well, how do you choose life? Well, he goes on to tell you by loving the Lord, by obeying his voice, and by holding fast to him. Those are the three things. That's how you choose life. So it's choosing in action. It's not choosing in words. You know, desire is not proven by words. It's proven by action. Isn't that right? Our decisions, our reactions, our outlooks, our perceptions, all of those things is based on what we choose. If we're out of the realm of blessing, we're going to start reaping negative things. That's just the way it is. There is no in between. It's one or the other. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. What a man sows, this he will reap. If a farmer never puts seed in the soil, eventually 
Nothing's going to produce by the soil, and the soil is going to become blessed, uh, cursed rather, because there's a lack of investment in the soil. Where your treasure is, it's where your heart is. What are you investing in? Amen. Amen. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. This is all by introduction, by the way. <laughs> Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. Don't fool yourself. Don't deceive your own self. God will never be made a fool of. God has set laws in motion and they work. You can't work around them. You can't get around them. You can't skimp. You can't be the, tiny, the skinny guinea with the tiny hiney just sliding on by and getting around all this other stuff. It's just not going to happen. Okay? They are everlasting, supernatural, eternal laws that will never change. And the law is very simple. What you sow into is what you will reap from. When, you, when it says that you will uh, reap corruption, it doesn't mean God's going to bring corruption into your life. He says, if you sow into the things of the flesh, then out from that realm, you will reap corruption. If you sow into the things of the spirit, then out of that realm, you will reap Zoe, eternal life, God, at life as God has life. Are you with me? Yes. So it's what you sow into is what you will reap out from. You know, Jesus said, don't put your money where, uh, uh, you, where moth can eat it, rust can destroy it, or the government can take it. That's what they do. Wake up, folks. It's not business as usual. They're out to get everything you've got. The war is on. I've got a T-shirt that says, normal is not coming back. And that's true. It'll never come back. It will never come back. Now, if the wrong people win what you considered normal, you're going to be way, way below. But if the right people win the war, normal is going to increase. So that place of normal will never come back. We're either going way above it or we're going way below it. Depends on who wins the war. And you need to pray. And vote. I was going to say twice, but you can't do that. <laughs> well, wait a minute. My mother still has a social security. Now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Live stream. I'm just joking. It's a joke. So back in, uh, back in Malachi again, chapter 3, verse 10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. What's the whole tithe? Tenth. It's a tenth of your income, however it comes in. Whatever comes in to you, tenth goes out to God. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and prove me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows or until there's not room enough to receive it. You know, this is the one area God allows us to prove him. He says, go ahead, prove me. 
See if it don't work. Go ahead. I'm telling you what to do. See if it don't work. I watch over my word to perform it. Isn't that right? You know, when I first started tithing back in 1981, I started tithing after I finally, you know, understood, okay, tithe is a tenth. You know, that choked me out right there. But, you know, we, uh, we got to, we started tithing and all. Well, then I started wanting to study more of the Word. Well, in order to study more of the Word, you got to have more study material. So to have more study material, you got to buy study books. So I figured, well, I'll take my tithe money and buy some study books. Because after all, I mean, it's a God thing. What is the difference? You know, the tithe is the tithe and it's going to God's stuff. So I'll just buy books with my tithe. But then I got a revelation where he said, bring the tithe into the storehouse. Not the bookstore, the storehouse. (laughs) So I got that revelation and I realized the tithe belongs in the storehouse, okay? It doesn't belong in study material. It doesn't belong in guest speakers. We love you, Pastor Lisa, but it doesn't belong in guest speakers. It doesn't belong on TV, unless, of course, you're watching our show. But, you know... It doesn't belong, in, unless you have another church. If you have another church that you're going to and you're just watching us, tie to the church you go to. Isn't that right? You don't tie, bring your tithe into conventions, conferences, any place else or anything else. It goes to the storehouse. Amen. And God says that this is the giving ground in which you can prove me. So if you do it like God tells you to do it, you can prove God like he said. Prove me. Give me a chance. Watch what I'm going to do when you do this with a right heart. Now, you can't do this. I'm going to give this money. Let's see what you're going to do, God. That's a wrong heart. That's not a right heart. You got to have the right heart in giving it. Isn't that right? And it says that he will open for you the windows of heaven. That's what God wants to do for you. Open for you the windows of heaven. There's a lot of windows in heaven. Heaven's a big place. And he wants to open the windows to you. So he's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. And the avenue that he uses is the tithes and offerings so that he can then pour out to you. Isn't that right? And he says there won't be enough room to receive it or it's just going to overflow so much. Glory to God. Well, Genesis chapter 7. Let's look at that for a minute. Genesis chapter 7. Everybody good? All right. Genesis chapter 7, and uh, we're going to look in verse 11. It says, in the 600th year of Noah's life, son, I thought I was old. (laughs) In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, On the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the floodgates of the sky was opened. So the windows of heaven was opened and rain came pouring out for 40 days. Amen. Verse 19. And the water prevailed more and more upon the earth so that all the high mountains everywhere under the heavens were covered. Would you say that that was not room enough to receive it? Would you say that was overflow? It's a miraculous level of abundance. That's what the windows of heaven are about. The miraculous level of abundance that come. It came pouring out of heaven. Glory to God. It came out of that heavenly dimension. That dimension that is right there with us. It's right there. 
And it came out of that dimension. And it just came pouring out upon the earth. Amen? Exodus 16, verse 4. Exodus 16, 4. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. All right. So we know that God provided bread. He provided manna and he provided it abundantly, didn't he? In in fact, it talks about it. Go over to Psalm 78 because it talks about even more over there. Psalm 78 verses 23 through 25. Psalm 78, 23 through 25. It says, Yet he commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven. He rained down manna upon them to eat and gave them food from heaven. Man did eat the bread of angels. He sent them food in abundance. Hallelujah. So now the psalmist calls it the doors. But it's the heavenly portal is what it's all about. They're opened up as windows, doors, however it might be. But it's the heavenly portal opening up. And when those portals open up, abundance comes. He rained manna down upon them that there was not room enough to receive it. All that was supplied. You know, rabbinical literature tells us. And the scholars will tell us that what was rained down on the children of Israel was enough to feed them for 2,000 years. Types and shadows, folks. Because Jesus said he is the living bread that has come out of heaven and he's feeding the church 2,000 years. Amen. Amen. Anytime the windows of heaven are open, the portals of heaven, when they're opened up, miraculous things are going to happen and abundance is going to come pouring through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, some people say, well, I don't know about, you know, abundance. I mean, I haven't seen abundance. Well, it depends on where your believing of abundance is. Well, I believe, I know you want, uh, forget the want. You know, I know somebody that said, oh, I'm believing God for a million dollars, but they could never really receive a hundred. So it wasn't really believing, it was wanting. There's a big difference, because everybody wants. You know what helps you believing? Ask God what he wants you to do. And start believing for what he wants instead of what you all want. Because we all have a bunch of them. And you'll find that your wants will get met when you start taking care of God's wants. So in Malachi 3, he said he's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. It's the windows of abundance. The window where God can pour out abundantly on those who willingly give to him with a generous heart. Cheerfully, willingly, not like Cain, but giving to God out of a heart that wants to bless God, loves God, has a heart of gratitude towards God. Isn't that right? The promise of God is so extravagant that he says there won't even be room enough to receive it. That's extravagant. You know, think about when he fed the 30,000 people. You know, he fed them all and then they had, it was extravagant. They ate all that they wanted, but then there was 12 baskets left over. I mean, my goodness, more than enough. You know, the, uh, the Greek word choriego, you know, for the choir. 
where the rich man steps up and meets all the needs of the, the Greek chorus that's getting ready to go on the road. They went bankrupt. And a, and a rich man steps up and says, I'll supply everything that you need for your practice, for your road trips, for your, for your costumes, for your families. I'll take care of everything that you need. More than enough. Coriego. God supplies. I believe that this will turn out for my deliverance by your prayers and the provision, Coriego, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. When I first started tithing, I started hearing the word of God about prosperity and about healing. And I had sickness jump on my body. <clears throat> 1981, I had sickness jump on my body. And I believe in God to be healed of it. Well, after about a week, a little more than a week, nothing changed. I said, dear God, this is awful. I need to go get some medication. So I took some medication. I thought I was going to die. I said, well, if this is what medication does, I'm not doing this. And I said, if I can't get healed by faith, I might as well just die. And I threw away the medication, said, I'm going to believe God. And at the end of two weeks, I was well. And that was in 1981. And since 1981, I've never dealt with sickness more than 24 hours. Amen. Sometimes sickness would jump on my body. I'd jump on that book, F.F. Bosworth's book, Christ the Healer. I'd open that book up any place and just start reading it and feeding my spirit. And then I'd lay down in it and get up and be well. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. My kids used to be sick all the time before getting saved. Then they no longer got sick. In 1986, I made a decision to cancel my health insurance. Now, this is me. This is not gospel. Don't walk out of here and go, well, I got to cancel. No, I didn't tell you that. This is me. This is what I did because this was what was in my heart. And I said, I'm not going to have health insurance anymore. I'm going to cancel it, which most people thought I was crazy. But look at all the money I saved. And I never needed to go to the doctor or get medication. Glory to God. Amen. You know, my 1040 forms before getting saved, my biggest deduction was medical. I mean, my goodness, medical was a big deal. But after getting saved and getting on the word and all that stuff, my biggest deduction was contributions. And my medical was zero. Amen. Now they forced Medicare on me. I'm like, I didn't ask for this. You know? But what was happening is the abundance of health. See, the doors were opening, the windows were opening, and there was an abundance of health being poured out. And the abundance of health is what was bringing prosperity. Amen. I used to, you know, before getting saved, my kids would be in the hospital at least once a year, at least. And, you know, I had no money to pay the hospital. So I'm like, well, let's say every three months, if I send them $5, it'll keep me out of the credit office. You know, the, whatever that thing was, they, they refer you, collection agency. Yeah, keep me out of the collection agency, $5 every three months. So to me, see, now you got to listen. To me, prosperity was having $5. See, what's prosperity to you? What can you see? The Lord said to Abram, as far as you can see, you can have it. See, what can you see? Well, you'll never see it sitting there. You'll only see it by seeing it in the Word of God. That's where you see it. Amen. And if you don't spend any time in there, you're not going to see anything except your own wants. Are you with me? The window's opening up. 
Like all things in the kingdom of God, what is poured out must be received. And we don't receive it in word or in want. We receive it by actions of obedience that produces results. And it comes from a heart that will honor God. And it always starts here in the sanctuary. Amen. God is not a piece of your life. He is your life. And until he becomes the nucleus of your life and see that everything proceeds out from that nucleus, you will never have what you need. God must become your life. Amen? So verse 11, we'll close here. Verse 11, he says, Then I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will the vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. So he says that he'll rebuke the devourer. So when we open our hearts to God and open our hands to give, God opens his mouth. See, we give to God, and God opens his mouth to rebuke the devourer on our, on our behalf. Amen. And again, that's something that you have to receive, and you have to believe in that, right? You know, it's kind of like the Word of God says that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, right? Well, you have to receive that. Because how many people do this? They go before God and go, oh, God, I've done this wrong, blah, 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 on and on and on. And thank, you know, and then they can't forgive themselves. And they live in guilt and condemnation over something that God's already forgiven them about. Which you know what that tells me, okay? You have taken your emotions and you set them on a higher level than God in your life. That God don't have the final authority in your life. That you can't walk away from that and go, thank you, Lord. I am cleansed. I am whole and I am well. And I am delivered out from that. And you walk out. From, no, you, you, we just wind up. We live in regret. We live disillusioned. And a lot of times, of course, we can't forgive ourselves of things. But yet, Jesus, he's already paid your price. He shed his blood. He went into hell so that you can be free from sin. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you with me? So whatever the word declares, you've got to receive that to yourself. Amen. So again, when I started tithing, I was believing and declaring healing a lot, uh, being brought up with a lot of Brother Hagin's teachings. We were brought up in a, a church. Uh, the, grad, uh, the pastor was a graduate from Rama. So we heard a lot of teachings from Brother Hagin and, and that type of thing. And I was believing and declaring healing over my body, over my family, and things like that. You know, it was so, and, I, and I've told you this account before, and most people don't like to hear it. My wife certainly don't like to hear it. But, you know, first getting saved, and, and the devil realizes, hey, where do you go? Where do you go? You know, two weeks, you know, you're like, you're good. Man, everything's going great. Everything's wonderful. But then the devil realizes he lost one of his soldiers, and he comes after you. And things got really tough in life after that and I remember driving down the street and I pulled off on the side of the road things were so bad I pulled off on the side of the road I started hitting on my steering wheel and I started yelling at the devil in my car and I said devil I don't care if you kill my wife I don't care if you kill my kids I don't care if you steal everything I have I will never stop serving God do you hear me I will never stop serving God well, she's still here, my kids are still here, my grandkids are here, and now my great-grandbabies are here. 
because the devil had no place. Are you with me? Amen. See, heaven will stand behind you. He'll stand, heaven will stand behind you and he'll fight with you because you're a giver. You're a tither. The, the devourer gets rebuked for your sake. Amen. Amen. The angels will move on your behalf. God watches over his word to perform it. Praise God. And that, you know, what I was, what, what I was declaring on that day, it came out from a heart of faith. I, I mean, I was serious about that. I was very serious about it. Like the time Pastor Nid was on the floor, and she was very, and you remember this one, Barbara, and she was very close to dying on the floor, and you could barely even get a heartbeat. And uh, the Lord said, you need to pray for her. And I got down on the floor. She had fallen on the floor. So I got on the floor, and I started praying in tongues for her. And here comes the thoughts. You know this happened to your daughter a number of years ago, and she about died the doctor said if you didn't get her in the hospital another five minutes, they couldn't have reversed the process. I said, yeah, I know, but that was then. This is now. We weren't saved then. We're saved now. God said, pray. I'm praying. And uh, kept praying. And the thought comes and says, you need to get her. You need to call the ambulance. You need to get her to the hospital or she's going to die. I said, no, no. God said, pray. <clears throat> I know it was God. This wasn't like, yeah, I think I ought to, maybe I should pray. It wasn't that. This was God woke me up and said, pray for your wife. Okay, so I'm praying. I said, no, nope. God said, pray, and this is what we're going to do. The next thought comes. Now, this is like 45 minutes of going on. The next thought comes and says, if you don't get your wife up right now and get her to the hospital, she will die right there in your arms and I said if she dies in my arms God will raise her up because he said to pray and that's what we're doing and right at that point the peace of God came into the room and it was like the devil went down the toilet and she got up her heart came back into normalcy she got up off the floor she went to bed and the next day, she went and did the same thing that caused the problem to begin with. Because she said, well, I'll show that devil. He's not going to affect me. <laughs> yes, you did. Yep. You understand what I'm saying? See, heaven wants so much to stand behind you. Heaven wants to move on your behalf. See these things you got in your hand? Did you see these things? They are so limited. Even what's between your ears is so limited. Your abilities are so limited, and heaven wants to do so much for you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 The Bible tells us that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking someone whose heart is faithful towards him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is so important. You know, and not faith like the world talks about faith. Faith, Bible faith. 1 Peter 3 tells us, for the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer. It's our arms, our giving, and our prayers, our giving and our prayers, creating memorials before God. And prayer can be prayers of confession, faith confession, speaking faith out of your mouth. Those prayers, that's confession, and your giving joins together to create a memorial before the throne of God. Amen. And it's your name that will come up to him. And he dispatches angels on your behalf. And they will grow strong as long as you keep with the word. 
Amen? Amen. God wants to abundantly bless you with more than enough. His desire is to give us the kingdom. So he's given it, he's provided it by giving his life to us. And we receive the kingdom by giving our life to him. How do you give your life to him? It's what we talked about Wednesday night, living immersed in Christ, living the baptized life in Christ. That's how you give your life to him. Loving the Lord, obey his voice, and hold fast to him. Amen. So like all things in the kingdom of God, what's poured out must be received, not only in word or want, but in actions of obedience, and that was what will produce results from a heart that honors God, and it starts in the sanctuary. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. If you're, on, if you're online, just go ahead and bow your heads. If you're driving a car, just keep looking straight ahead. But if you're able to, just let's go ahead and just bow our heads before the Lord. You know, maybe there are things that's happened in your life and you really haven't been tithing like you know you should be. Or maybe you've been taking your tithe and putting it into the wrong places. Well, like the Lord said, you can repent and return to him and do things in right manner, correctly, with the right heart, in the way that he says and what he's laid out of what we need to do. Maybe you haven't set your faith for the windows of heaven to open. Well, it's time to change that. God's desire to bless you is great. All he needs is a heart of obedience. Are you ready to change? Are you ready to advance? Are you ready to even become a distribution center? Well, this takes a commitment of living a life immersed in Christ. What does that mean? It means when emotions flare up, I kick them back down again. I don't give them a minute. It's like the Apostle Paul said, I will not give a minute to the things of the flesh. Because they'll rob you. It's giving ourselves and living our lives immersed in Christ. Father, here we are before you this morning. Father, we set our hearts before you. Our heart is open to you and ready to receive from you. Lord, the things we need to change, we're open to hear those things. And we're willing, Father, to change because it's the willing and the obedient that eat the good of the land. Father, I repent of not doing the things that I know I should have done. I repent of not believing you according to your word for the windows of heaven to open. For every time I bring in a tithe into the storehouse, every time the windows are opened. So Lord, I repent of not believing for that, but I'm ready to change that and start de declaring and taking hold of what you said in your word. I'll take Malachi 3.10. I'll get that into my heart that it will produce the right thinking and produce the right actions. And it will be living works based on faith. So, Father, I give myself to you in this area. I'm ready to change in my life. And, Father, the things that I've been doing right, I'm ready to advance in those areas. I'm ready to move forward and take hold of that which you have for me. 
Today, Lord, I commit myself to you. I submit myself to you, to your word, to your spirit. And whatever it is, Father, that you tell me, I will do it. I thank you, Father, that you're always near me, that you always call to me, and that your eye is always on me. Father, I thank you for it. I bless you and praise you for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Father, as we come before you right now with our giving, I thank you for this opportunity to sow our seed, to bring in our tithes. We do so today, Father, with fresh faith. This is not just something we do like we've always done, but it's fresh faith, alive based on what we've heard in your word today. And I thank you, Lord, that today, as we bring our tithe into the storehouse, we will declare over it that you open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until there's not room enough to receive it and that it overflows in our life. I thank you, Lord, that you watch over your word to perform it and that we can be absolutely confident that it will be exactly as you have said. We thank you, we bless you, and praise you for that in the wonderful, glorious name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Glory to God. If you need an envelope for a credit card or cash giving, there's one on the seat back in front of you. If not, if you raise your hand, the ushers will serve you. If you joined us on live stream, thanks again for being with us today. I do pray that the word of God has touched you right where you're at, that it brought increase into your perception, into your thinking, and it really tweaks your faith to get a hold of what God has for you. God really does want to bless you. He loves you more than you even know. He cares about you, and he has for you more than you could ever think of for yourself. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, please go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, click on the giving link, and I thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. And always remember, if there's anything at all that we can ever stand with you, believe God with you for, that we are here, our prayer team is ready to stand with you and believe God for your needs to be met. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah.